Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which comes to us this morning is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 verses 22 to 40. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age, and she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about eighty-four years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. What's the uh, easiest way to get your homework done? If you uh, wait till your parents are tired or busy and ask them for help, they might just do it for you uh, rather than trying to help you figure it out. Not a suggestion that you should do, but Jesus did our homework for us. That's what our text reveals this morning. Not because he was tired or busy, but because he knew that we couldn't fulfill the law. Our sign out there in the parking lot reminds us that Jesus came to die. And this is very true. We always want to remember as we celebrate Christmas the reason that Jesus was born and came was to offer himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. But he also came to live. That is, he came to fulfill the law, to live that perfect life that we were supposed to do and are unable to do. We see this <clears throat> just a couple of verses past our text in Luke 251 Luke reminds us that he, Jesus, went down with his parents and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He was obedient in all things. Paul reminds us in Philippians that he was obedient even to the point of death. And being found in appearance as a man, 
He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was obedient in life and in death. We often refer to this as his active and his passive obedience. When somebody is active, they are doing something. And so Jesus' active obedience is that he did the law. He fulfilled all things. He lived that perfect life in our place. He did our homework for us. He was perfectly obedient to his parents. He worshiped God perfectly, as we see in our text. He perfectly loved his neighbor. This was his active obedience. When you're passive, something is being done to you. Jesus died on the cross. The Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. But he was obedient. He accepted and willingly died in our place. Passive and active obedience together means that we are saved and can go to heaven because Jesus did everything that we need. It is the beginning of that act of obedience, that fulfillment of the law that we see in our text this morning. Verse 22, Now when the days of our purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There are two Old Testament regulations that are alluded to by Luke in our text. The first is the purification of a woman who, after giving birth to a child, and the second is the right of the redemption of every firstborn child. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> bleeding made you ceremonially unclean. God's Word reminds us that blood is the cost of our sin. Because of our sin, we must die, and therefore uh, blood is a reminder of our sin, and any bleeding is a reminder of sin that needs to be cleansed then by a sacrifice. This was especially true of childbirth because God specifically cursed childbirth after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And so every woman who gave birth was therefore unclean for 40 days, after which she had to bring a sacrifice to wash away that uncleanness, to, to purify herself. God's law stated that this sacrifice was normally a lamb, but God also said that for those who could not afford to bring a lamb, they could bring two birds, either two pigeons or two turtle doves in their place. The fact that, Mo, that uh, Mary and Joseph brought the two turtle doves, the two birds, instead of the lamb, reminds us just how poor they were and the humility of Jesus' birth. This also, it also shows that the wise men had not yet visited Mary and Joseph. They hardly would have had to bring two turtle doves if they had received that gift of gold. In this way, that stigma of blood, which was a reminder of our sin, was washed away, and Mary was made clean again. The second was, as we mentioned, the redemption of the firstborn. I remember how in the land of Egypt, during the tenth plague, God caused the angel of death to pass over the houses of the Israelites. He, that angel of death killed all the firstborn in the houses of the Egyptians, but the Israelites were spared. God told the Israelites because of this, every firstborn child belonged to him, but those firstborn children could be redeemed, that is, bought back from God, so they could go home and, and live with their parents instead of serving him in the temple. This was a reminder through all the years of Israel of what God had done for his people in the land of Egypt, how he brought them out with the powerful signs and with a mighty hand 
so that they would not forget what God had done for them. It was also a looking forward to the coming of Christ, who would be the firstborn of God, who would redeem his people from their sins. All that God required in his law for the redemption of the firstborn was that the parents pay five shekels to the temple. This didn't even have to be done at the temple. They could simply give the five shekels to a priest who would, who would take it to the temple for them. However, it was pretty normal for those who could to go up to the temple and to present the child uh, to a priest. The priest would then give two benedictions or two blessings. The first was a blessing, was a, was a benediction of redemption, redeeming the firstborn. And the second was a benediction of thanksgiving that the, the parents had received, that they had had a healthy child uh, born to them. We see this practice reflected in our text. Luke emphasizes that Jesus himself was brought and presented, not to one of the priests, but presented to the Lord himself. The Lord himself receives Jesus. He's presented to the Lord. And the Lord himself gives those two benedictions through his prophets. So you have the benediction given by Simeon, and then another one given by Anna. You'll notice in our text that the first benediction given by Simeon is that benediction of redemption. But not the redemption of Jesus, but rather Simeon instead talks about the redemption that Jesus would bring for all the people. That he had come to redeem his people. Anna then gives the second blessing. And again, it's a blessing of thanksgiving. But again, it's not a blessing of thanksgiving given to the parents, but a blessing of thanksgiving given to all the people. Reflecting that passage that we know so well from Isaiah, unto us a child is born. And so God gives the benediction both of redemption and of thanksgiving, but a redemption of the people and a thanksgiving to the people. Even the presence of Ananiah, of Simeon and Ananiah, two people, was a reflection of fulfillment of the Old Testament law. For God wrote in Deuteronomy 9.15, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And so here Luke also presents two witnesses to make it certain and sure that the Lord had come, that we can be confident that this was Jesus. Thus Jesus, even from the moment of his birth, fulfilled all things, fulfilled the law perfectly in our place. Not only the moral law of love towards one another in service to God, but also fulfilled that old, all those Old Testament regulations. A reminder of what God had done for his people, <clears throat> but also a picture of Christ, the firstborn of God, who would come to redeem us from our sins. Because Jesus fulfilled that Old Testament law and all those regulations, all that service to the Old Testament temple, that old, those Old Testament ceremonial laws have now been fulfilled. They've been fulfilled perfectly and no longer, we no longer need to do them. <clears throat> there are, of course, in our lives major, major points uh, in our lives of, that are of great importance to us, right? The first is our birth. Uh, then comes graduation, marriage. There are a few others along the way, but those are the, the three probably most important. These points of, of importance we wait for, with, we often wait for them with eager anticipation. We wait, uh, are especially glad when our children reach these landmarks. We take lots of pictures and uh, try to remember them throughout our whole lives. These are, these are very joyful events, 
But even as they are, they are joyful events, they also are sometimes a little bit sad as well. Our children get married, that's a really good thing. We're really glad for them. There's also a little bit of sadness as they leave and they start that new journey of their life and the old things are left behind. The first part of Luke, chapter 2, presents that grateful good news. The angels come with the, the song that Jesus is born. The shepherds re- rejoice and run to the manger to worship. But here, now, in the second part of Luke 2, he reveals that it is, at the same time, a little bit of that same bitter sweetness. Jesus has come. The Old Testament law has been fulfilled. But also something is passing away. Something that was dear and important to a lot of people is passing away. That Old Testament worship, that temple with all of its regulations, uh, is passing away. Simeon and Anna in our text come as representatives of those Old Testament people and that passing away of the old and the beginning of something new and wonderful. You see how Simeon receives the Christ child in his arms and confesses himself ready to depart. Simeon himself is ready to depart, not in sadness, but in joy. In joy that his life has been fulfilled. In joy that the fulfillment of that promise that, given, that was given to him has come to pass. But still, there's a little bit of, of bittersweetness there as well, right? As, as the old passes away and the new comes. Simeon stands as a representative for all the Old Testament regulations and for all the Old Testament prophets and priests as well. We're reminded in the Old Testament how Moses and David and all of them waited with eager anticipation for the coming of Christ. And now it has been fulfilled. The old can pass away, the new has come. The firstborn has come, they can depart in peace. Also Anna. When we first meet Anna, Luke says how she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. After receiving the Christ child, Luke gives a very different description of Anna's life. She gave thanks and spoke about him to all people. There's a rather dramatic shift there, isn't there? From one who spent her life praying and serving in the temple to one who goes forth with the joy of Christ's birth to bring that news to everyone that she meets. In Anna as well, we see that that shift from the old to the new. That service to the Old Testament temple is done. And she now goes forth to bring forth that news, that great good news that Jesus is, is come. She is a fulfillment, or the beginning of the fulfillment that we read of in, in the prophet Micah, chapter 4, verse 2. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. With the coming of Christ, that Old Testament focus on the temple and all of its many regulations and all of its sacrifices has come to completion. And instead, the law, the word of God, the great good news goes forth into all the world to all people. That's stressed in in Luke chapter 2, that it goes out to all people, that proclamation of God's joyous news. The vast shift is a good thing, but the end of the Old Testament does not come without problems. There are some who, uh, despite the fulfillment, want to hang on to the old just for the sake of holding on to to what they know and are accustomed to. And so uh, the prophet Simeon prophesies that Jesus will be a sign spoken against. He will divide the people. 
The hearts of many will be revealed. He will divide the people into those who are truly waiting for the fulfillment and rejoice in the fulfillment and are glad to let go of the old for the joy of the new. And those who want to hang on to the Old Testament with all its, its rules and regulations. Who do not see in the Old Testament regulations the coming of the Messiah, but rather uh, re- want those Old Testament regulations for themselves. The hearts of both Simeon and Anna are clearly revealed in our text. We see in them those who joyfully accept the new, joyfully let go of the old, are willing to depart, let the Old Testament regulations depart in their eager joy in the coming of Christ. They let go of the old, not as those who hated the service to the temple. They gladly uh, served God in His temple but as those who see its fulfillment come to pass. Christ has fulfilled the law for us and He has brought that Old Testament regulations and all of the demands of the law He has brought to an end. He has fulfilled it for us so that we can now go forth like Anna to rejoice and and to spread that good news. So that we can be like Simeon, ready to depart, knowing that leaving this earth is not a a bad thing, but a joyful thing going to be with the Lord in in the perfection that He has waiting for us. Christ has fulfilled the law in our place. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.